Morning, everybody. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Love that video. Lee uh, mentioned that he wanted to share his testimony uh, with us about stepping out and trusting God uh, with his finances and with his life. And uh, man, good stuff, huh? I mean, I love just hearing uh, stories of people that are living for the kingdom, and, and uh, I just think that's a good word for all of us, right? The more I trust God, uh, the more he just proves himself faithful and shows himself faithful to us again and again and again, and uh, it really is true. You can't outgive God in any, in any way, right? It's that kind of a thing, and so well, we're uh, on week number two of a series that we're doing here at Ignite called Unleashed, Releasing Kingdom Dreams in You, and we're spending the month of January and maybe the first week in February now because we had to cancel last week, but uh, we're spending the month of January kind of talking about what that looks like, about how to live our lives for God's kingdom, to how to use our time and our talent and our treasure in ways that advance his purposes, that advance his good plans in our lives, in our homes, in our community, and in our world. And we're being challenged to actually put this stuff into practice in some very practical ways. A couple weeks ago, we kicked off the series by talking about unleashing God in our finances un and unleashing our finances for his kingdom by starting to tithe. And today, I just want to kind of pick up where we left off and talk a little bit more about what it means to actually live in God's kingdom and live for God's kingdom and, uh, and what that means and how we can put that into practice. Well, a couple of scriptures to kind of get us going uh, this morning. By the way, can you guys hear me all right? This, it, I don't think this is even on, but <laughs> I, it, what, what's that? It is on. It's green. So <laughs> I don't know what that means, but hey, there it is. All right. That might make my voice work a little less hard, so that'd be great. A couple scriptures just to get us going. Um, the first one is uh, Luke chapter 16. Uh, I was reading this and it just struck me. It's a story that Jesus tells about the dishonest messenger, uh, dishonest manager, I should say. And this manager was accused of wasting his master's possessions. So he was basically called in and fired. And in his last sort of act of shrewdness, uh, before we get to this, don't look, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, right? It's, it's fine. Just ignore that for a second. But before he was kind of let go, he wasn't walked out by security or anything. So he, he goes back to his office and he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to call all the people that owe uh, my master and I'm going to kind of discount their debts, so to speak. And so the first guy comes in, he says, hey, it looks, looks like you owe my master a thousand gallons of olive oil. Let's sit down real quick, cross that out, or 900 gallons, I should say. Let's sit down real quick, cross that out, and make it 450. And then the next guy comes in and says, it seems like you owe a thousand bushels of wheat. And so they cross that out and made it 800. And so he goes on and kind of gets to the end of this. And you think, this is like a total dishonest dude. Like, what's the deal with this? And the, the shocking part is that in some ways, Jesus sort of gives this guy props. He kind of says, you know what? He's, there's something about his actions that he's actually doing right. And it's kind of jaw-dropping. It makes you scratch your head and say, is Jesus teaching here that you should be dishonest? No. But stick with me. Uh, we're going to pick up the story in Luke uh, chapter 16 verse 8 and it says this now you bring that back up <laughs> sorry it says this it says the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly now listen to this for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light who are the people of light you think the church, right? Christ followers, absolutely. Uh, verse 9, it says, I tell you, use worldly wealth. This is the point. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings, meaning use your resources for God's purposes and for his eternal plans. Verse 10, for whoever can be trusted with very little uh, can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? 
And if you've not been trustworthy with somebody else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and he'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, it's, again, fascinating kind of story. And let's be clear, the point of this parable is not to say, go and rip off your employer. You know, go with God, right? I mean, that's not the point that Jesus is getting at here. What is Jesus' point? His point is this. Use your resources, use your lives, use everything that I've entrusted to you in ways that will make a kingdom difference for all eternity. Don't love the money and the stuff and don't stay focused on all that, the stuff of this world. Don't invest your life in those kinds of ways. Instead, he's saying, live your lives for my kingdom, for my plans, for my purposes. Live for a kingdom that will last. All right, second scripture I want us to look at today, and this is kind of the big picture, and then we'll kind of talk about what these things mean. Matthew chapter 6, we looked at the first part of this a couple weeks ago. I'll just hit this quickly, and then we'll move on to the, the second half that we didn't look at. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, Jesus says, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and where vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then we'll jump ahead to verse 25. And this, Jesus goes on and says this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or your drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? Is not the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? What's the implied answer, by the way? No. no. And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field uh, grow. They did not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek first, he says, listen to this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. God says when it comes to possessions and provision and income and clothes and food and drink, you know what, he's, you know what his wisdom is? He says, don't worry about it. He says, don't stay focused on it. Don't spend your day simply living for this kingdom and for the treasures of this world. Don't love them. Don't stay focused on them. God knows what you need, and he is able to provide. But God says, here's how you are to approach your resources, our finances, our time, our gifts, our lives, everything that he's entrusted to us. Here's the key. He says, seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all the rest of it's going to work out. It'll be all right, right? S stay focused first, he's saying, on me, on Christ, on, on him and his kingdom and his purposes, and all these things will work themselves out. Now I have to say, is this a countercultural teaching? <laughs> yeah, like jaw-droppingly so, right? This is exactly the opposite of how we're all programmed to live. We've grown up believing that we need to look out for number one. And who's number one? <laughs> that would be my favorite topic. 
All right, I mean, me kind of stuff. We've grown up believing that. We, we, we've, we live in a world that says, man, we should spend our time and our talents and our treasures on building our own kingdoms. It's about me. It's about my family. It's about my priorities. It's about what makes me happy. It's about me getting whatever I want. But God says, life, the way it's designed to be, does not work that way. That's not how life works best. You can't love both of these kingdoms. If you are, if you are so focused on yourself and this little kingdom in the here and now, you'll end up hating the kingdom of God. You'll end up not living in the kingdom and the life and discovering the plans that God has for you. You will miss out on the good stuff. He's saying, you can't serve both of these. You've got to choose. You, you, can't, you have to choose between the kingdom of God, which we'll get to what that is in a second, or the kingdom of self and me and mine, and what, what the Bible refers to as the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of this earth. Now, I have to say, when we start talking about this whole idea of the kingdom of God, you got to understand, uh, again, I'm going to get real practical in a little bit, so stick with me, but you have to understand, this is at the heart of what Jesus came to do. It was the central teaching. It's what Jesus taught about more than anything else. It was the purpose that he came. He even says, it's the good news that he came to proclaim. Now, sometimes we end up uh, kind of boiling that down, the good news, the gospel, the, the message that Jesus came. We, sometimes we boil that down to its simplest form, which is basically how to get to heaven when you die. And that's true, and that's good, and that's, that's a part of it. But I have to say, when we do that, we miss out on the fullness of the kingdom that Jesus is talking about. And so I, I don't want you to miss it. First of all, let me just give you some examples. I'm just going to fly through these. But just to, just to show you, this is at the, the central message of what Jesus and, and what the, really, the New Testament is all about. Listen to this. Mark 1.14 uh, says this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee. He was proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent or turn back to God and believe the good news, right? The kingdom of God has come near. It's close. It's available. You can walk in if you want to is what he's saying. You can come right in. So respond. So turn away from your own little kingdoms. Turn towards God and his kingdom and enter in and live in a new and different life. Live in this kingdom and the purpose that God has for you. Luke 8.1 goes on. After this, Jesus traveled from one town to, and village to another. He was, what was he doing? He was proclaiming the good news of what? The kingdom of God. Okay, that was weak. He was proclaiming the good news of what? The kingdom of God, right? It's real, real central to what, what, what Jesus came to teach. A few more here. Uh, next one, Luke chapter 9. When Jesus uh, had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons, to cure diseases, and then he sent them out. And what, he sent, what did he send them out to do? He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. After Jesus rose from the dead, he gathered together with his followers and he spoke to them about one topic. I'm just going to start in the middle here. It says, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. You guys are sharp. You're catching on here, right? <laughs> one more. In fact, if you go to the very last um, chapter in the book of Acts, which is the book of the Bible that talks about the early church, the church that Jesus started and, and kind of them taking the message out and proclaiming. If you go to the very last chapter, the last verse in the book of Acts, it talks about uh, the Apostle Paul here, as it's kind of talking about, and how he was living his life. And what do you think he was proclaiming? He proclaimed, <laughs> okay, if you had to say, you know, maybe what's one of the major thrusts or maybe the major thrust of Jesus' ministry what was the good news that he came to proclaim. Any guesses on what it was? 
the kingdom of God. And more specifically, that the kingdom of God is here. It's available. It's close. And you can enter into to it if you want to. Normal people, ordinary people like you and me can come and step into right relationship with God. And we can live in his domain, right? In, in his world, in his kingdom right here, right now. We're not just talking about heaven when you die, but that's part of it. We're talking about today you can enter in and live in his kingdom. His kingdom is available, and anybody can come in through faith in Christ if they want to right now, and they can start living the life, the real life that they were born for, starting now and lasting through eternity. That's, the Bible says, that is good news. Jesus is the kingdom bringer. He came to make his kingdom available to you and to me, and we can enter in and live in it if we choose to. Or we can just spend our lives focused right in here, right, on the kingdom of this world, on the kingdom of me, right? If, if we choose, it's our choice. You have a choice every moment of every day. I have a choice every moment of every day. Which kingdom am I going to live in? Am I going to live in my kingdom that's all about, oh, or am I going to submit and choose to, to yield my kingdom to enter into something better, the kingdom of God, the kingdom that we are born to live in? Jesus says, man, I'll tell you how life works best. This is it. You can go after money. You can worry about that. You can stress about getting the right clothes and the right food and the right houses and the right everything. You can spend your life focused there. But he says, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what you were born for. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Every time you hear the word righteousness in the Bible, by the way, it's referring to right relationships. That's what you should say, right relationships. That means a right relationship with God and a right relationship with other people. He says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, my relationship with me and others, and all this other stuff will be added to you as well. This is where the good stuff is at, he's saying. This is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom that Jesus came to bring, and you can enter in and live in it if you want. Well, let's talk a little bit. Okay, so get enough about kingdom kind of language. That's words that we don't actually use all the time, and it kind of, you scratch your head and say, that's great, but so what? What does that mean? Let me, let me kind of dig into what is like this whole kingdom language a little bit. The first thing I just want to, I want us to notice, uh, and from a biblical standpoint, I just want us to get a hold of this, is everybody has a kingdom. You have a kingdom, right? You have, we, each one of us has a kingdom that we live in. It's part of how we're made in God's image. Your kingdom is the range of your effective will. It's kind of where what you say goes. It's where your will and your plans everything kind of play out the way they're meant to, the way you want them to in your world and in your life. When you have kids real early on, they start learning very quickly, right, that they have a kingdom. They hit age maybe two years old or three years old, and they start practicing the boundaries of their kingdom, don't they? And they start using a word that's like a, that's like a boundary. It's like a kingdom word. And that, what's that word? Mine. They start, yes, mine. What else? What's another word? No, right? These are both these are both kingdom words, right? They're like, this is my kingdom, right? This is my kingdom, and and uh, I don't want your will to be done, so I'm going to say no, no. Uh, come here, no. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> now whose kingdom do I think it is, right? <laughs> this is my kingdom. You're, you're going to do what I tell you to do, right? Kind of. I mean, it, but there's 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 part of this kind of thing that happens. I mentioned a couple months ago. There's a quote from John Ortberg. I love it. It's it's just classic. He talks about driving in a car, right? And this kind of thing. And when there's kids, especially if there's a bench seat in the back seat of a car and the back seat of a van. Not these days. A lot of times we have captain's chairs, so everybody gets their own little kingdom. But on a bench, you have to like share. And and so kids, a lot of times you can see them do this. They'll draw a lot 
line, right, down the middle of the, that bench seat and say, this is my kingdom, right? This is my domain. You stay on your side. I'll stay on my side. And there's battles and there's wars that get waged and stuff back there. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Parents, you know you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, this kind of thing. And suddenly kids are yelling from the back seat, Mommy, they're touching me. I mean, there's all this kind of stuff. There's wars going on back there and people are fighting. Suddenly, dad's driving down the road, right, doing 75 miles an hour. Suddenly, he's had enough, right? Because whose kingdom does he think it is? It's his. So he turns around. He's like, don't make me come back there. Right? I mean, it's like this kind of thing we're driving. And the kids are like, sure, you're going to actually come back here. We're doing 75 miles an hour down the road. So he sends back Mr. Hand to try and execute the will of his kingdom, right, in the back seat. And he's trying to drive. And the kids retreat to the far corners of the kingdom, right, all this kind of stuff. So John Orberg says, he goes, I got a little trick for it. He's like, a little tap on the brakes brings them right back into play, right, kind of thing. You know, thy kingdom comes, so to speak. And so he's, he's talking about but but we kids understand from a super early age we all do right we don't like people to tell us what to do you want to know why cuz they're intruding on our kingdom there is something there's something that's healthy about understanding because it's it's a boundary issue it's about where we begin and other people end right it's it's about our kingdom but i'll tell you what the truth of this, the truth of this deal and where it gets uh, complicated is that our kingdoms get junked up by sin. They, they do. The, the Bible is unbelievably clear about that. Our kingdoms are totally polluted by it. And although these little kingdoms are designed to be submitted and integrated into God's bigger kingdom and God's bigger plans, because of our sin, we tend to turn exclusively to my own kingdom. We sort of kick God out of our kingdom and instead choose to live for our own selves, our own rule exclusively, a kingdom where our will is done and we could care less about God's. And the only value that's really important in my kingdom is what's best for me. It's my whims and my desires and my cravings and my will. And as I form my own little kingdom, my own little self-absorbed kingdom, and you form your little self-centered kingdom, and billions of other people around the planet form their little kingdom, suddenly a new race, suddenly a new kingdom emerges. And the Bible refers to this as the kingdom of this world. Listen to this. This is uh, from 1 John. It talks about it pretty clearly. 1 John, starting with uh, chapter 2, verse 15, says this. It says, do not love the world. And again, this is the kingdom of this world that they're talking about. Do not love the world. Don't love its values. Don't love its rebellion, its self-centeredness. Don't love it, it says, or anything in the world. For if, and listen to this. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Strong words. Just means, again, like we were talking about before, you have to choose which kingdom you're going to live in. There's, there's no like, I'm going to be over here and live in this self-absorbed little kingdom, but I'll add a little God. No, God's not fooled. It's like you have to, you have to choose which kingdom you're going to live in day in and day out. You can't, you can't serve both, right? You can't choose both. For everyone in the world, or everything in the world, excuse me, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from God, not from the Father, but from the world. So let's be clear. He says, the world and its desires, this kingdom over here will pass away, but whoever does the will of God over here lives forever. The kingdom of this world versus the kingdom of God. He's kind of painting a picture for us. He says, well, what does the kingdom of this world look like? What's it, what's it characterized by? He gives us kind of three different pieces of that. The first thing he says is, it's characterized by the lust of the flesh. 
And that just has to do with like our cravings. Whatever it is that I want, for, it could be that drive for stuff or for sex or for pleasure or whatever, right? It's, just, it's, it's about me. It's about whatever I want. It's about another drink, another girl, another truck, a better house or whatever. It's the lust of the flesh. He says that has to do with the kingdom of self, the kingdom of this world. The second thing is he talks about the lust of the eyes, and that has to do with like discontentment and that continual thirst for more, like more, more, more. It's what Amazon's strategy is entirely built around, right? It's why you go on there and they've got these fancy algorithms that they know what you like, and so they put it before you. They flash it up on the screen and say, hey, why don't you look at this? It's why you can look at something someplace, by the way, and then everything else, the everywhere, everywhere else you go on the internet is advertising for that. It's built on this philosophy. It's the lust of the eyes, right? Whatever you see, you see it, and you're like, oh, I need that. And so you click it, and then you own it, right? This is what their entire strategy, it's built around the lust of the eyes. It's that, that desire for more, and you think, well, maybe that's going to be it. Maybe that would be great. That would make my life better. And so you click it, and then you get it, and six months later, you, know, you don't even know where it is, right? <laughs> you're like, I need to click. I need, I need something else. And so what, what else is there? What else is there? And it's that continual thirst for more, 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 more. It's the lust of the eyes. So lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. And the third thing they talk about is the pride of life. Uh, another translation talks about the boasting of what one has or does. And it has to do with significance. It has to do with status. It has to do with what we build our identity on. If, if we find our significance in how much education we have or the job we hold or how much money we have or what our, our kids are successful or our reputation or what others think of us or the house that we live in or whatever it's talking about, that's the pride of life and it comes from the kingdom of this world. And God says, let's be clear, the kingdom of me, the kingdom of this world, it will always leave you lacking. It will never deliver and he ends up saying, it will fade away it won't last. In all honesty, so many of us spend the bulk of our lives right here focused on getting more stuff and more pleasure and more me, 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 me. And our lives are going to be over like that. James says that our, our life is like a mist that appears for a while and fades why, that's why time seems to go faster and faster and faster, right? Our lives, we're, as we get older, we're like, holy cow, this is going crazy. Like, we're so busy and all years fly by. And he says, you, you're, you're in real danger. If you're living over here, you're in real danger of getting to the end of your life and realizing, I wasted my entire life. There is nothing lasting in what I have done. And God says, that is, it's fading away. It's like, it's like a mist. It's vanishing before your eyes. But God also says, man, there's a better way to live. I want, you to, I want you to step into, I want you to seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, right? Right relationships. Because this kingdom over here will last forever. So what does that mean? Again, what does that look like? Let's, so everybody's got a kingdom, right? There's a kingdom of, of self, a kingdom of this world, and the kingdom of God. Let's talk about the kingdom of God. I think the easiest way to understand that is to, to take this phrase from the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, right? Where he said, may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth, in my life, here in this sphere. That's God's kingdom. It's the sphere in which everything that happens meets with God's approval and God's delight, God's smile, where things are precisely the way God wants them to be. 
I mean, don't think of, uh, of God's kingdom as a place. I mean, is it a place, heaven one day? Is that, of course, that's the perfect place where everything will be as it should be, right? But it's not just then. God's, Jesus says that kingdom is available now, right? It's any place, any domain in which everything that takes place meets with God's approval. It's what happens when our kingdoms become integrated and aligned and even submitted to God's plans and his will for our lives. Romans 14, 17 describes, has, has some adjectives, some descriptors for God's kingdom, and I love this. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. I'll just say that's a long story. This is about, it's talking about rules and do's and don'ts. The, the Roman church had some strange ideas about some of this kind of stuff and what, what people could eat and couldn't eat and all the legalistic rules about this and that and the other thing. And, and, and God's saying, the kingdom of God, it's not about a bunch of rules. It's not about a bunch of do's and don'ts and that kind of stuff. He's it says, but the kingdom of God is of righteousness, right relationship, right? And peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I love that. That's what marks the life God is saying in the kingdom of God. Righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. I mean, imagine that. Imagine being part of a kingdom, being part of a community that's characterized by right relationship with God and others, right? Imagine, uh, I mean, imagine, right, a kingdom in which uh, people aren't insecure and trying to up one another and trying to feel better about themselves by tearing other people down, but instead serve and love in a selfless kind of way. Imagine what that would be like. It's the kingdom of God. Imagine being a part of a, a community where the only gossip and the only rumors that fly around are, are rumors about people's secret virtue, the things that they're actually better than you thought they were, right? Don't tell anybody this, but I think your husband is being incredibly faithful to you. He is loving you in selfless and amazing kinds of ways. I mean, that's, we, we kind of think this is crazy talk, right? But what if anytime that would happen, by the way, that would be the kingdom of God busted in. Imagine what that would be like. Imagine being a part of a community where there wasn't really an anxious thought because everybody lives with this unbelievable peace and security and confidence knowing that they are in the hands of a magnificently competent God. And that peace sort of characterized that righteousness, peace, and joy. Imagine being part of a community where joy was the, the hallmark, where people were coming to life more if they were growing in relationship with God as they were serving and loving one another well, where joy seemed to be the things that were bubbling up, and every encounter that you have seems to bring increased joy to your life and to your soul. Then imagine watching over this whole realm as its greatest, humblest servant and the most joyful being is the magnificent God who is endlessly celebrated for his infinitely self-giving love. This, Jesus says, this is the kingdom of God. It exists right now, and you can live in it from this point forward if you want to, but it's your choice. I mentioned this earlier, but Jesus teaches us to pray in Matthew 6. He says, may your kingdom come, and may your will be done down here on earth, just as the way it is done perfectly up there in heaven. That is Jesus' plan. That is God's plan. That's what Jesus devoted his life to, and that's what he called each one of his followers to devote their lives to. Make things down here run the way they do up there in heaven. May your will be done in me and through me. May everything I do, every word I say, bring your will and your way to bear in this world. 
You and I, friends, are called. It's, it is who we are. We are called to be agents of the divine kingdom. Every time you bring a slice of life, what life is like up there, you bring it to bear down here and you live it out in your lives, it's the kingdom of God breaking into this world every time. Every time you're in conflict with somebody and you want to hurt them and you want to gossip about them because that's how things go down here in our kingdom, but you don't. And instead, you, you respond with humility and love and you seek reconciliation and forgiveness. Every time you do that, God's kingdom is breaking into this world. Every time you get some money and you decide instead of just blowing it on yourself and what the, eyes, the, the, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh wants, instead you choose to sacrificially give back to God first to bring his kingdom plans to bear. Or maybe beyond, even beyond your tithe, you take some of that money and you give it to somebody that's hungry or somebody that's homeless or somebody that's poor. Every time you do that, that's the kingdom of God breaking into our world. It's this kingdom over here busting into this kingdom over here. It's what Jesus taught us. For every time we do that, it's like God is answering that prayer a little bit in our lives. God, may your kingdom come and your will be done in my life and in my workplace, and in my neighborhood, and in my world, and in every single person I lock eyes with. May your kingdom come, and your will be done down here as it is done up there. Every time, every time you visit a sick person, every time you encourage somebody who's defeated, every time you put a hand on someone and pray for them when they're discouraged, every time you challenge or teach or inspire, point people back to Jesus that are, wand that are sort of wandering off the path. Every time you do that, every time you take your family or your friends and you go and you serve under-resourced people, every time the kingdom of God is busting into this world. And the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray is being answered. May your kingdom come and your will be done down here like it is up there. Friends, Jesus invites us to live in his kingdom today and every day. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad you've blown it in the path, the past, right? No matter how much of our lives we've spent circled up here about me, 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 me. Today is a fresh day. There is grace. There is opportunity. Today is a day. And Jesus says, I'll tell you what, today, what if you step out of there and you, and you learn to seek first my kingdom and my righteousness? What if today you start praying, God, may, may your kingdom bust into my kingdom, right? May my kingdom plans submit to your kingdom plans. May everything that you've entrusted to me, my time, my money, my gifts, my relationship, every, my job, every, everything I am, spend my life today, tomorrow, the day after that, for your kingdom plans, the plans that last forever, the plans that that change people's eternities, the plans that bring, I mean, the way things are meant to be into this kingdom over here. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. I'll tell you what, friends. Hopefully by now you've probably caught on that we're doing this challenge uh, throughout the month of January. We as a church are conducting sort of a kingdom experiment of sorts. We're doing a church-wide challenge and we're trying to encourage all of us to actually put God first, to actually seek first his kingdom. And we're doing this in a bunch of ways. If you, if you weren't here two weeks ago, I'd encourage you there's a challenge card in back that explains it more fully. But we're, we're encouraging people to go on record and say the first way we're going to do this, and, and I know it's, it's weird, if you weren't here you should go back and listen to the message because I do it way better and more eloquently and all that kind of stuff. But, but we started out by saying, what if we did that with our pocketbook? What if we put God first? Because the Bible says, we read it earlier, that where our treasure is, there our heart 
tends to follow. There are, there are heart. So we said, what if, what if for the next month we did an experiment and we put God first? Every dollar that comes in, we give the first 10% back to God as a way of saying, God, I trust you. I need you. I want to live in your kingdom. I want you to release funds for your kingdom purposes from, from me. Whatever you've entrusted to me, it's from you. I give it back to you as a way to just say, God, we love you, we trust you, we need you, right? That kind of stuff. It's, a, it's the principle of tithing. It's something Tina and I have done for our entire married life so over the last couple decades. Um, but this is the first part of the challenge. We said, man, it's a, if... We really, it's such a weird topic, right? Because anytime you talk about money, it's super personal for us, and some people take it wrong. This isn't about us trying to manipulate or any, anything else, but we, we took it straight out of uh, some verses we studied in the Old Testament saying, man, God's, God promised, God says it's for our good that he does this, right? That when we put him first, he brings blessing into our lives. He really does work in, in transformational and amazing kind of ways. And so we're encouraging you to do that. But then after that, we're saying, this is kind of cool, as, as we sort of all jump into and, and do this experiment together, we're saying, I have no idea, but probably our income, let's say, as a church then would be two or three times what it usually is. Okay, I'm just picking a number randomly. But so, so what we said is, wouldn't it be cool? We still have bills to pay and we got to do our regular kingdom ministry kinds of expenses. And so we'll take the first half and we'll use it for, for those expenses. But then we're going to take the other half and we're going to use it for a couple of different things. The first one is we'll take 25% and we'll hold that back for a month or two um, just as a kind of a safety net for you. And I just, uh, the reason for this is I just know fear oftentimes is what keeps us uh, locked up. It's what keeps us from trusting God with our finances and our resources. And so we said, you know what, if you try this and you put it into practice and you get to the end of the month and you say, you know what, I, I can't pay my bills without it. Uh, then we've got money. It, that's part of how we would love to be the church for you, right? We'd love to, to come back and say, you know what? Well, no problem. We're there for you. We'd love to help out. It's biblical. You find this kind of uh, practice all the way through the New Testament church. And so uh, we'd love to do that. Now, now, I also don't, I'll just mention right here, don't underestimate God's work, right, in our lives. When we put him first, when we invite him into our finances and every other part of our lives, God does amazing things. We have seen it personally again and again and again. Unbelievable. So, but if you need, but um, and I don't, I'm not just saying this, I really mean it. We'll hold the money back, and if there's some ways that w we can help you at the end of the month, we'd love to do so. What's left over from the um, safety net fund and the, the, the other 25% we're going to put together, we're calling it the underground. Stands for sort of the underground church, which means you, right? right? The, the church sort of on the streets, the church that are in uh, the neighborhoods, that are in the gas stations, the churches you go to the grocery store, as you meet with neighbors, as you go to work, as you go anywhere you go, we're saying, you know what? Here's the other part of the experiment is to, to live out the kingdom of God in this world, right? To, God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done here. We're saying, wouldn't it be cool if we started learning to open up our eyes and viewing the relationships around us, viewing the people around us, the, seeing the opportunities that God puts around us where he wants his kingdom to bust into this world. And the thing is, we think he's put those kind of kingdom dreams in you. And so the other 25% plus whatever's left over from the safety net, we're going to actually uh, try and fund the kingdom visions that God is putting in you. And so there's all kinds of ways this could play out, but uh, maybe you've got a, a person, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, whatever, that's going through a really hard time and, I mean, super struggling. Maybe uh, you'd be like, you know, I feel like God wants me to uh, fill their deep freeze with 
meat, with groceries, with whatever. And so you say, I don't know, maybe that'll cost me $150. So we've got those forms that Tina mentioned earlier, or it's on the app. If you open up the Ignite Church app, there's a little thing that says Kingdom Dreams Form. <laughs> you tap that, you say, okay, here's the deal. I had this r- weird sense, like... Uh, there's a need here, and like maybe God's asking me to do something about it. And so you fill it out. You say it costs about $150 or whatever I said. And, and the thing is, we're going to sort through these, and our, our goal is to fund as many of the kingdom dreams in you as we can, like with, his, with the money that God provides. We're just going to say, you know what? We believe this is from the Lord. Go and do it. Here's money. Go fill up, their, fill up their freezer. Go do that. But it could be all kinds of things. That's one example, right? It could be that uh, we had somebody in our leadership huddle yesterday that was mentioning they're moving, and they said they were dreaming about what's a way that I could serve or love on uh, all the new neighbors that are going to be around me. Maybe it's something like that. There's some idea, and you're like, I can't afford to do it myself, but maybe maybe there's some missional way there, right? It could be maybe you've got a heart for uh, the inner city schools. Maybe God's going to tap you and say, hey, wh- why don't you do something cool to serve the teachers or to serve the kids there, to serve a particular class? Maybe there's something that they need that we could help provide. Maybe for you, uh, God's tapping you on the shoulder and saying, man, I want you to be a part of starting a ministry to help addicts find freedom, right? Or to help widows find encouragement, maybe to help under-resourced kids get job training or whatever. Maybe you have a heart for single moms. I have no idea what God's put in your heart, but I'll tell you what I believe. I believe God has put a kingdom dream in you. And so what we're trying to practice and we're trying to learn is how to recognize those things And we want to be a catalyst that releases those dreams and and emboldens you and encourages you and says, you know what? I want to send you out as agents of the kingdom of God to bring his kingdom to bear in our world. That'd be cool. So for each of the next few weeks, we've got videos that we're doing just to try and get, get us thinking and recognizing the dreams that he's put inside of us. And so I've got uh, one from Molly this week that I'm gonna, we're going to share with you right now, and then I'll just a couple more sentences and I'll wrap up. Yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome? I love that. I love that. And that's something, uh, you know, I'm never going to be able to, <laughs> believe me when I say, I used to joke with our girls and say, hey man, I'll do your hair for you. Nobody wants that. I, it's not something that I could ever do, but I'll tell you what, I get to be a part of seeing the kingdom of God expand as, as I release my kingdom resources to God. And he takes those resources and he allows us to entrust, you know, and empower and free people, release people to live out their kingdom dreams. We get to be a part of, I get to be a part of that. And so do you. Isn't that cool? And I just, it makes me wonder, just like that's just one person. That's her passion. What's your passion? What's the dream that God has put inside of you? What does he want to do for his kingdom, seeing his kingdom come down here through you? That's what we're going to be talking about the next two weeks. And I want all of us to be a part. Don't hold back. Don't let fear or the status quo, don't let anything stand in the way. I want you fully engaged. And so here's the deal. For, for the next, uh, next two, three weeks, right? Three weeks, I guess the rest of the, the month and into the first week of February, we're going to say, man, if you haven't already gotten on board with this, get on board. And then that's the first part. The second part is, would you start this week? We just start opening your eyes. We just start praying that prayer. God, I, I want to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. I want your kingdom to be realized in my life. I want your will to be done in my life, in my world. How can I live for your kingdom today? What dream have you put inside of me? God, what are the plans that you have that I can be a part of? 
I want to I live in your kingdom today, in this week, in this month, in this year. I want your kingdom to come and your will, be, will to be done because it's the best thing happening on this planet. How can I be a part? We just start praying those things. We just start opening up your eyes, looking for opportunities. And as God, as God leads you, as God starts speaking, would you fill out this form, right? On, on the app, would you take a paper form in back? You can take it, you can drop it in the offering bucket. You can email us. We've got the online version. You can do it anytime. You can email us. You can give it to somebody in the office, me or Molly or whoever. Um, we'd love to see God's kingdom come and God's will be done in ever-increasing ways in our lives, in our church, in this, in this new year. Amen? Let me pray for us. We'll be done for the day. God, I love what you're doing. I love that you invite us into your kingdom. And Lord, for those of us that have never done that, I pray right now, God, we could just all just open up our hearts and our lives and say, God, would you come in? Would you forgive us for our sins? Would you forgive us for living in our own little kingdoms, our own little worlds, making it all about us? God, we're sorry. And instead, we just want to open up our hearts and we say, come, Lord Jesus, come and live inside of us. Lead us in. Teach us to live our lives in your kingdom for your glory, to see your good will and your good plans come to bear in our lives. Would you work in us and through us? Would you, would you send us out today, Lord, on mission? Would you open our eyes this week to see and to know your kingdom dreams in us, to see with your eyes, to love with your heart, to serve with your hands? We need you. We want you. We say, come, Lord Jesus, come and have your way. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in us this week, we pray. It's in the name of Jesus, our Savior, that we pray. Amen.